Welcome to the Witches and Wine audio experience. Hello everybody, Chowan here, and I am at the cafe at uh, the place where the 2019 Magical Women's Conference is being held. I just gave my talk. Um, it's a bit nerve-wracking because I had prepared a talk about me as a Korean American witch, but yesterday I really started to realize that uh, this talk wasn't really going to be about me. It was going to be about Korea as sort of a magical case study of how you can take magic into the future and bring in more diverse voices. I mean, Korea, within two generations, it went from being a completely war-torn country um, with the economy of the equivalent to Sudan. Um, and then within two generations, it became the 11th largest economy in the world and has dominated online youth culture um, due to, I think, institutionalized glamour magic. So, I hope that you guys enjoy this talk. Welcome everybody, thank you for being with us this morning and I hope you've enjoyed everything so far. 
I'm very pleased to introduce you to Chowen Koo. Uh, she's a writer, a YouTuber, and podcaster of occult topics. She has been interviewed on Korean radio on her magic practice, and is also a Korean language occult YouTube. Chowen will talk about how a first world country like South Korea integrated shamanism and magic at the very top level. Um, we're talking the present of the country, ghosty shaman. <laughs> what it's like to be one of the very few visible practitioners of West Western magic, why she doesn't feel satisfied with just Western occult knowledge, and the dangers of cultural appropriation and exoticism. Thank you. Cool. Okay, so that's what I was going to talk about, and then last <laughs> night, <laughs> you know how it goes. So last night, I realized that I didn't want to talk about that because that's not what was really coming from here. You know, like instead, what I realized was that I wanted to talk about Korea and how Korea is a model for magic in the future. So, okay, let's talk a little bit about Korea. Not a lot of people know about Korea. People know about China, people know about Japan, but what is Korea? Korea is 70% mountain. If you know the United States, it's about the size of Tennessee. And throughout its history, it's been completely fucked over by Japan, by China, most recently by Japan. And in the past, the Mongolians came in. And actually, the Mongolians, they went through Korea and then went over to Japan but by that time that they went to Japan, they were like Koreans. So the Japanese imperial uh, family, they say that they're actually Korean, which is very, very interesting. And then Koreans also come from the Manchurian area. And of course, the Siberian shamanism, shamanism, that also came down. So that Northeast area of Asia, that all came down into Korea. And for many years, hundreds of years, Korea was considered the hermit kingdom. I think most people here know Korea through pop culture, but maybe historically because of the Korean War. Have you guys heard about the Korean War? Yes? Mm. Yeah, of course. So after the Korean War, the land was devastated. And government officials in America were like, Korea will never, ever recover. The Korean economy was at the level of Africa, like Sudan. But within two generations, too, like my grandmother, she actually had to dress up as a boy to avoid becoming a comfort woman, like during World War II. But here I am, right? And when I go back to Korea, we're talking about a first world country, 11th biggest economy in the world, the greatest IT infrastructure in the world. I mean, the internet is blazing fast in the subway, above subway. They have revolutionized, basically, technology because the culture is so internet savvy. They dominate esports. Who here knows what esports is? What is esports? Anybody? Well, playing uh, video games professionally. Exactly, and making millions of dollars from it. Yeah, that's huge. Like, who here has heard of Twitch? Yeah, well, Korea had its own version of Twitch years ago called Africa TV. And Koreans, maybe you've seen on YouTube, like eating rooms, mukbangs, you know, people just eating like tons of food. Well, mukbang is a Korean word. It means eating room, literally. So, I mean, the entire thing about Korea is that they were like, okay, after World War II, they wanted to forget about the past. They were like, let's forget 
everything that's traditionally Korean, because what has that given us? Only pain and suffering. And instead, let's only look to the future. Let's build everything from the ground up. And so they did that, and once they did, they were like, okay, now we have space to bring back the old Korean traditional arts, the fan singing, the mass dancing, and also there's a spiritual side to Korea that I don't think a lot of people know. But Alain de Botton, philosopher, his first school of life in Asia, not in Tokyo, not in Beijing, it's in Seoul. And he said, I put it in Seoul because Koreans are some of the most spiritually hungry people he's ever met. That's very true. Right now, Korean shamanism has made a huge resurgence, a revival. And we're talking young women going live streaming on Africa TV and YouTube. I mean, and they're beautiful, plastic surgery up, because in Korea, that sort of aesthetic is like considered cool. Plastic surgery up. The men, the male shamans, also coming on, putting on tons of makeup, looking gorgeous on their K-pop bands, putting on makeup, like going out and dominating the world. Instead of food trucks in Seoul, you have tarot card trucks. So <laughs> they park right, right outside of the clubs in Seoul. So when you come out, you're drunk, you want to know, like, I didn't hook up with a cute boy, when am I going to get married? There is a tarot truck <laughs> out there to figure out when that's going to happen. That's great. And the thing is, you go into the tarot trucks, and it's not just tarot. They also do astrology, tarot, and Korean, kind of like geomancy. It's called saju. They mix it all together. And they've been doing, and this is so natural for them. You go into a coffee shop, you can order a macchiato, you can order a croissant, you can order like all these cute little things you could get at like a really cute boutique coffee shop, and you can get your chart read. Saju, astrology, tarot. And they're called tarot cafes. This is completely mainstream. And this is like not unusual. Like people just go in there, you know, no appointment, just go in there and you just enjoy yourself. So, you know, I was thinking about this. How is it that Korea in two generations, it not only went from a country that had the economy of Sudan, but also is now 11th largest economy, but also dominating the culture in Asia. Korean culture, pop culture is Asian de facto pop culture. It's so intense, the Chinese government is trying to ban Korean culture. They're saying, why don't you guys, why don't you young girls and boys, why don't you guys watch Chinese TV, listen to Chinese music? But everybody wants to listen to K-pop. Everybody wants to see Korean TV shows. It's gotten so bad that the Chinese government is actually endorsing these Chinese like, groups where they're just like, you know, like, fuck Korean like, aesthetics, fuck Korean culture. And we're going to try to create this like super macho, I think it's quite toxic, super macho culture, because Korean culture that's coming in, it's too soft and too feminine on the male side. So okay, not only is it dominating Asia, Southeast Asia, Singapore, I mean, those places down there, I've gone and lived in Southeast Asia as well. People there speak better Korean than me. How did that happen? And then, mm, and then I go to America, and there's kids under the age of 10, BTS, a K-pop boy band. They are basically just as well-known and as beloved as, I don't know, like One Direction. But the thing is, BTS doesn't sing in English. They do it 100% in Korean. They're like, well, we're Korean, so we're just going to do it in Korean. So you have these American kids, European kids. In fact, you go on Twitter right now. The top 
trending tweet in Twitter right now for Great Britain is hashtag BTS Wembley. They just had a concert here. Uh, so it's sort of like, how did this happen? A country that has 55 million maybe people, Great Britain has over 60. So a smaller population than Great Britain. The language is not practical. It's not used a lot in business. It's not really used in politics. And yet, there are so many teenagers who are just like, I don't want to learn French, I want to learn Korean. How did this happen? And so I kind of try to deconstruct it and go reverse engineer. And what I realized was that what South Korea has done is institutionalize glamour magic. Think about it. Institutionalized glamour magic. So there are some things that I think that we can really learn from that. You know, okay, let's think about this. First of all, what is glamour magic? If I were to ask you, what is glamour magic? Anybody, what would you say? Making things deeply attractive. So we just think, oh, I love it already. Whatever it is, I'll have some more. I'll have the orange one. Great, yes. Mm -hmm. Advertising. Advertising. um, Presenting things in such a way that people want them. Basically, controlling people's perception. Ah, okay, perceptions. Anybody else? Yeah. Glamour magic is all those things, and I'm also starting to realize that people don't exactly know what glamour magic is. It's kind of like, there was a Supreme Court justice who said this. He said, I don't really know how to define pornography, but I know it when I see it. (laughs) And I think glamour magic is very similar to that. So... I'm still trying to define glamour magic, and I'm still trying to figure out what it is. It's like that je ne sais quoi, right? That French thing. And yet Korea has managed to create manuals. There's a huge entertainment company in Korea called SM Entertainment. Maybe you've heard of Girls' Generation. Maybe you've heard of EXO. These are also K-pop bands. They have these manuals, basically grimoires saying these are the best glamour magic practices depending on the market. You go to Malaysia, you're going to use this sort of eyeshadow. You go here, you use that sort of lipstick. You go here, this is the sort of clothes that they like. They have a grimoire. They don't call it a grimoire. It's a manual, but it's a grimoire. So you have something like that. And then, of course, what else do they do? They take the mundane action of, like, let's practice glamour magic. Years and years of kind of, like, learning how to present yourself well. For what? Yes, one-on-one, but also for the internet. Who here thinks that they spend way too much time on the internet? <laughs> only one person? Okay. Only two people? <laughs> yeah, well, the thing about Korea is that because the infrastructure is so great, that's basically life, right? That's where all the money is. That's where everybody kind of presents themselves. And so Korean culture has been able to basically take the internet and hustle. You put in any sort of like international bowl of like, who's the most popular person in the world? I guarantee you. In fact, Stephen Colbert, he like, there was some sort of like joke he did a couple years ago that this kind of obscure K-pop star named Rain was voted as most popular guy on the internet. And why? Because the netizens of South Korea voted for Rain. So what that means is, is that Korean, basically, groups, TVs, movies, they go online, they populate themselves on YouTube. And they're just like, just whatever, no copyright, whatever, make reaction videos, fangirl over my stuff, and record yourself doing it. I'm gonna provide translations, whatever, but I'm sure that they may. 
but record yourself doing that. And you can watch it again and again and again, so you can learn the language, whatever. It's a soft power. It's called soft power by economic books. Um, if you go to college, they'll be like, oh yeah, you know, there's like the, you know, like the hard industry, but there's soft power. And that's what Korea did. It took soft power, but then it took it next level. So, you know, I was thinking about this and I was like, okay, next level future magic. Here we are talking about living magic. And I was discussing, I think it was yesterday without this about how women who are gonna come in from unlikely sources are gonna just change the magic world simply because they're different. We were talking about one of my best friends who's a sorority girl from America, you know, like very typical, like legally blonde, you know, like Elle Woods type. She watches my videos and I don't think it's because my information is that much more interesting or greater than what you can find on Wikipedia, what you can read in a book. But what I've done, and I didn't realize this until recently, is that because I'm so influenced by Korean culture, K-pop, is that I've kind of subconsciously taken in the lessons of how to make something where the topic may be a little bit confusing or a little bit, I don't know, like not mainstream, and put like a wash of glamour over it, and then present it in a way where it's sort of like, ooh, I like it. You know, if you can get like a sorority girl to watch an occult video, what does that mean? That also means that the mainstream, they're so open to occult knowledge, especially, I think, mainstream women. You know, they're you know, buying crystals and jade eggs to put in their vaginas and stuff, you know? Why? Because they're spiritually hungry. And I know everybody's like always shitting on like Tumblr witches and young witches, and it's just witch aesthetic, witch aesthetic. I came into witchcraft because of the witch aesthetic. What's wrong with that? Why are aesthetics and glamour denigrated so much? Why, because it's feminine? Is that what it is? And that's one of the great criticisms leveled against Korean, against Korean institutionalized glamour magic. Oh, you know, it's just looks, it's perception, it's just everything like that. And yet, what's happening right now in the mundane world because of this institutionalized glamour magic? So, okay, like, what can we do about this? What can we do to bring those lessons into our lives? One of the things that I'd like to present to you and to give you as sort of like, if you would like to join me in trying to bring magic to the mainstream, and who here is interested in that? Bringing magic to the mainstream, I think almost everybody. Let's think about ways to put glamour magic on top of everything that we do. We can do magic. We do magic. But how are we presenting to the world in a way that is palatable to them where they are? BTS is taking over the fucking world singing English songs. It hasn't been since the Beatles that a band has had like three number one singles. Now, this was like 15, 20 years ago. The Beatles, they're the next Beatles and they're doing it in Korean. Why? So okay, glamour magic. Let's try to think about how we can use that. And not only that, how we can use technology. I know that a lot of people here were just like, oh, I'm not really on technology a lot. But that's where the young people are. YouTube is the second most used search engine. 
young people don't go on there looking specifically for like this channel and stuff. They actually go on there and they search just like Google. If you want to reach young people, and I think that everyone in this community wants to bring like fresh blood, you know, like fresh meat into this community and to bring diversity into this community, where are you gonna reach them? Google, yes. YouTube, that's where it's at. So I, I thought about why is it that I'm coming to this conference? Why is it that like two and a half years ago when I was in Korea, like I was hardcore atheist. You know, I was just like, I don't know about this magic stuff. And yet I went to Korea and then I went to Bali and then I'm here and I'm just like, okay, I haven't been doing this for like 20 years and stuff. Why am I here? And I think yesterday at like 1 a.m., my mission became more clear. And I think the mission is for not just me, I'm just a messenger, but for all of us to take Western occultism and to bring it to Asia so that they can also like bring their traditions over here. So basically for us to be a bridge. That's what basically the message is. Korea's already doing it. Korea's taken trap music, hip hop music, Western music, Western entertainment. They've taken it and they've taken it next level. They've taken break dancing. They dominate break dancing. Break dancing was not invented in Korea, but they dominate it more than the Americans. Why? They took something, they put Korean flavor on it, but they were able to kind of like syncretize it with their own culture. So my YouTube channel is basically existing because eventually all the videos are gonna be translated into Korean, into Chinese. And then hopefully that information is gonna be transmitted into Asia. And then there's this like wonderful intersectional thing going on. There is this problem of appropriation, of course. Um, Koreans actually appropriate a lot of black culture, black American culture. So I'm not saying this is gonna be perfect, but that's what I'm here to talk about. And that's why, you know, like me right here is like, when it comes to like magic and stuff, I don't know. But I think that our jobs as people who really know magic and really live magic is to then spread it out into the world through technology, the way that Koreans have done it. 55 million people, two generations, dominating youth culture, dominating online culture, which is youth culture. Witches can do that too. Thank you. We've got time for just a couple of quick questions, if, if you were willing to yes. take any.
moving forward, there is a sense of self that comes from the past. It's a very interesting um, theme that you're bringing up. Yeah, so Korea is a Neo-Confucian country, and Neo-Confucianism is 100 based upon ancestry, hierarchy, um, and basically twice a year in Korea. Seollal, um, which is kind of like Chinese New Year, and Chuseok, which is Korean Thanksgiving. We're talking about a country of, you know, like tens of millions of people. They shut down, and they all collectively worship their ancestors, like on those two days. So, I mean, and Korea, again, is like first world, 11th largest economy in the world, and yet the president of Korea, well, the previous president, was impeached partially because she took too much advice from her shaman. Like every Korean president goes to a shaman, goes to a mudang, a female shamaness, a shaman, uh, but her, her shaman was like a Rasputin, and so they were just like, ah, you know, a little bit too much. <laughs> And so, like, in Asia, there isn't this, like, weird sort of, like, here is, like, magic, and then here's, like, regular life. It's just natural. It's, like, you know, like, my mom, she's, like, straight up, like, hardcore Christian, and so she's kind of, like, uh, about a lot of, like, the shamanism and stuff, but she takes dreams seriously. Why? Because it's ingrained in our culture. Like, Koreans take dreams really seriously, no matter how, like, materialistic or whatever they are. So, yeah, I, I think that could be a lot of it, you know? It gives you a sense of self. If you know where you come from, it you does. Oh yeah. It was yeah. sort of like let's let's allow women to sort of read. So instead yeah. of using Chinese characters, let's yeah. use let's make a Korean alphabet. Which is phenomenal. I mean, that's that really is. That really is. You can learn Korean the alphabet. You can learn it within maybe like six hours. Anybody. That's how science, rather scientific alphabet. But yeah, like this liminal space of where like, you know, like east, west, it's like ancestor, old, new and stuff. Isn't that magic? Magic is being in that liminal space, right? And so all of us, we can be in it too if we like somehow manage to like get in all these different, not to appropriate, and that's a completely different conversation and that's something I look forward to having with anybody who's interested later. But to be able to take and appreciate all these things and be in that liminal space, to be in that super magical space, how can we be more liminal? And maybe Asia does it really well right now. Sadly, we're going to have to live out of time. Okay. Uh, but thank you all if you join me in saying thank you. Let's talk a little bit about some practical things that you as a listener can do. So, you know, one of the things that I'm trying to define right now is what vocabulary are you going to use to talk about glamour magic? So this is something that right now is glamour magic is just all over the place. Um, in my talk, I mentioned that, you know, there was a Supreme Court justice who said, I don't really know how to define pornography, but I know it when I see it. Glamour magic, because it is such an embodied sort of magic, it is difficult oftentimes to put into words because it's a visceral thing. It's a je ne sais quoi thing. But it's important, I think, to figure out that shared vocabulary so we're talking about the same thing. Uh, yesterday I was at dinner with a bunch of really cool occult folks and I realized that we were talking about glamour magic, but we were talking about different aspects or different types of glamour magic. 
And there were certain things that we were talking about that I may not have considered glamour magic, but other people may have and vice versa. So that's one thing. And I think for me, glamour magic is very specific. And institutionalized glamour magic is also a very specific thing. So perhaps the first step in this conversation is what is glamour magic? Maybe it's a very personal thing. Maybe it is going to be forever undefinable because it is so personal, it is so embodied, it is so visceral. But can we try? And then once we figure that part out together, like then how can we use that definition to start putting magic into the mainstream um, in a way that's like a, a collective unified force in a front rather than something that's so disparate and kind of like a dissipated energy. Because one of the great things about this institutionalized glamour magic is that it basically had the momentum and weight, a unified weight of an entire country and of an entire government behind it. So yeah, I'm very curious, guys. Uh, what do you think? What are your opinions? Let's start this conversation. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Witches and Wine audio experience. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting me on Patreon. You can choose between a few membership tiers. They're super affordable and flexible. Your membership helps me continue making videos, podcasts, articles, lots of different things about all the sweet witchy stuff. Links are in the show notes. Also, don't forget to go on iTunes and give this a five-star rating. Each five-star rating helps rank this podcast higher in searches so that as many witches can find and enjoy these episodes as well. Until next time, this is Chawan, signing off.